We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Clint, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the fucker fly, man. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Whatever 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night, you know? Whatever. But no, I'm serious. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. There's Dabo doing the gritty. I say right foot creep. Cheers, boys. Or welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark, presented by Bet Rivers. If you need to find us, if you want to find us on Thanksgiving week, just go to the SiriusXM app. Check us out on YouTube, all your social media platforms. If you want some swag, head into Black Friday. Just go to field68.shop. I'm your host tonight, Yogi Roth, joined by Christian Hackenberg, Trevor Knight, Clint Sterner. We kind of have majority of Power 5 conferences covered here, fellas. The CFP has just come out. This is the final show of the week in Thanksgiving week. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Of course, the game, Ohio State. Michigan rivalry week. We'll, if we have time, we'll get into some of the coaching rumors as there's some jobs that I think will be filled by the time we get to the end of the week. So with that said, we kick this thing off with a toast. So I thought it'd just be appropriate to start with a toast around rivalries. We've all played in them, coaching them, watched them, been around them. I want you all to toast to one of your favorite or meaningful rivalry memories, Okay. I will kick the party off. Uh, I got to play in the backyard brawl, which was absolutely insane. And I'll never forget being a freshman and preparing for that game. I was on kickoff return. And all of a sudden, I'm practicing in scout team against scout team. Now, as a freshman, like you don't really know a lot. Like you're just kind of figuring it out. And I was rolling all week long on scout team when I was playing wide out or whatever special teams. And we get off for the first kickoff of the game. And I see this dude like like Alvin Mack out of the program, big black dark visor. I'm on the sideline next to West Virginia sideline. It's at Three Rivers Stadium back in the day, and he's like, "I'm gonna kill you." And I literally was like, "I think you might." And uh, that was just a long evening, afternoon, and an induction for me into a rivalry with Pitt, West Virginia. We ended up winning, so that was good. But I always think about that moment when I think about rivalry week. So, with that said, Clint, you're the veteran of the group. Cheers, and we'll pass it off to you. Well, you see, at Arkansas, we don't really have a whole hell of a lot of rivalries, if I'm being completely honest. We, we like to call LSU one. We like to think Ole Miss might be one, but we don't have a whole hell of a lot. So I'm going to bring this thing all the way back to the Dirty Bay. I'm going to bring this thing back to Baytown, mm. Texas, baby. There's, at, when I was coming up, there was two high schools, Baytown Lee, Baytown Sterling. <laughs> Lee, we were on the south side of the track. Sterling was on the north side. They had all the money and all the women. And, uh, and, and it was a good time when we got to beat up on them boys on the football field. And I'll take it all the way back to my junior year when I was a wide receiver. Hey, Trev, Trev, I made a catch against, uh, Baytown Sterling, brother. 
one-handed on the ground ball, palmed the ball by left hand. I mean, it was on the front, front of the Baytown Sun the next day, brother. Rivalry <laughs> Reek was huge down here in my wide receiver days. I loved it. Thanks for giving me that time right there, Yo. Cheers, Cheers to the that. Baytown Sun. I want uh, – Populate that on YouTube afterwards, if you don't mind. We want to see that one-handed snag. <laughs> yeah. All right, Trevor, you, you've been a part of a bunch of them. Where do you net out on this? I have. I've been a part of some really good ones. But I will say the Red River rivalry in Dallas, Texas, at the historic Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma versus the Texas Longhorns, there is, is nothing like it. Um, there are obviously other great rivalries, but split right down the 50-yard line, Burn Torrange, Crimson, you the tunnel you run out of is always the Oklahoma side. In my freshman year, I wasn't even playing. I was redshirting. But you run out of that tunnel and you feel the positive energy. And as you approach the 50-yard line, you can physically feel the negative energy coming upon you. And you look up into the crowd and you see nothing but middle fingers. You, you hear nothing but F-bombs. And, and I wanted to run through a brick wall, and I knew that I wasn't going to play that game. Most adrenaline I've ever had, uh, but that, uh, that OU-Texas rivalry is certainly something to, uh, to have a sip to. So cheers to that one. Cheers to that one. All right, Hack. Uh, Trying to go to Pitt Penn State. Well, there you go. No, nah, nah, I, <laughs> I didn't get the pleasure of playing in one of those. Um, it's tough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually take this on a different route. Um, I played in a few, enjoyed them. They were great at Penn State, but I'm going to go to another uh, uh, another Hackenberg in the bloodline that happened to play in a rivalry game that I haven't gotten to yet. It's been on my bucket list. I've been bugging the shit out of them to try and get me some tickets. It's literally the only rivalry game that I get goosebumps listening to, uh, watching every single time I turn it on uh, and fires me up. And I think is probably... All these rivalries are great, but it's the most meaningful and greatest one in Army Navy. My uncle played mm. uh, at West Point. Um, games held it in, in Philadelphia, so that's like one of my favorite games. It's on my bucket list. My dad's been to two. Said it's absolutely phenomenal. Been to plenty of whiteouts, obviously, with me, and said that absolutely nothing compares to an Army Navy football game. So, I will cheers to that. Cheers, to my uncle JD, and uh, still waiting on those tickets, Bob. But we'll get them eventually. So here, here we go. Here's Army Navy. <clears throat> Unc, I see you. Get, hey, hey, heck, I went down there about three years ago, man, with the radio yeah. station, and we did Radio Row right there. And yeah. um, I mean, it, it is it is something that everybody every everybody should see. Whether you're a football fan or not, you should see. And you got to get there hour and a half, maybe even two hours early, and see all the see everybody come in. I mean, it's it's yep. wild, man. Yep, yep. That's so, cool. ton of respect for it. I love that. I I'll love get that. There eventually. Yeah, well, no doubt. I think everybody should. I mean, there's kind yeah. of certain stops in college football that we all should get to. I know we all often we just talk about the CFP, which we'll talk about again here tonight. But there's so many moments in the regular season or in rivalry games that I think are beyond even you know the, the corporate vibe that you feel at a semifinal or a final game. Of course, those are huge games, but. Let's not forget that even if you're a team that isn't going to a bowl game this weekend and you're playing a rivalry game, you're a fan going to a rivalry game, everybody knows the old adage, like you throw the records away. And, and I think it's fair uh, to say that with, with a bunch we have this weekend. So we'll get into those in a minute, but let's get to what is Newsy, which is the fourth edition of the college football playoff rankings. Uh, no surprise at number one. Uh, I don't know if anyone, any of you were surprised at two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, I, I think we should beat it up a little bit because I think it's positioning now. Uh, I saw something earlier. In this ranking, nobody ever made it to the final four uh, that was ranked below seven in history for whatever the heck that's worth. Uh, we'll see how that thing nets out. So, so Clint, for you, you've been tracking LSU for a while. You've seen them. Uh, you saw the game two weeks ago, the, the Arkansas game that was tighter than I think a lot of people anticipated. They ended yeah. up winning a close one. What do you think about where they sit now and and do you think the rankings really matter now in terms of the top four when we're talking even about that league oh lsu like i think lsu is more the team that got beat by florida state and got the doors blown off of them by tennessee than they are the number five team in america yeah um you know i, I they're they're a much better football team than i gave them credit for that's for damn sure coming out of the gate but when I, I look, when I watched them against Arkansas, Arkansas has got one of the worst defenses, 
that uh, that I've seen in college football in several years, if we're being honest. I mean, especially when LSU caught them, um, you know, they had, they had lost a couple of key players, and, and that was not a good defense. And, and I think Arkansas held them, I think it was 13 points in that ball game. And if K.J. Jefferson would have been there, LSU would have would have took a, a – not they wouldn't have lost that game. They would have took a beating in that, in that particular game. So I think LSU is a much better football team than I gave them credit for, but they're closer to the team that lost to Florida State and lost – convincingly to Tennessee than they are the number five team in the country. I, I think they're out over their skis at this point in time. And, and, uh, and Georgia's Georgia's got to be chomping at the bit to get to that, that particular game. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I felt coming out of the rankings tonight, like Ole Miss was a team given a lot of credit, a where they sat. And then you kind of look at the games that they've been in and the opponents they've had. And I was like, huh, the LSU thing, it, it just kind of didn't seem like, Right, and I, and I understand why they're there because of the quality win that they, that they've had, uh, but I am curious to see how it shakes out when they play because that's going to be at the end of the day. Like they're not going to move from where they sit at five, and it's the decision is going to be made for them whether they win or lose on on the future of that. Uh, to to that point, um, where do you think? Um, I'll go to you, Trevor, next. Like, where where do you think when you look at this thing gives you the biggest pause? Like when you saw the rankings come out, where where did it make you say? What like that kind of surprised me tonight? Yeah, no, it, it was it was just that it, it was LSU over USC, and at first my thought was initially, okay, I, I get what they did there because LSU is going to play Georgia in the SEC title game. If they happen to win over Georgia, well, now they're already in that fifth spot. Ohio State or Michigan's going to lose. Boom, they just move right into the top four, but. Then you look at USC right behind them. If USC does what they're supposed to do against Notre Dame and then wins the Pac-12 title game, I, I personally believe USC has to jump LSU, right? Even if LSU wins the SEC championship, their quality of wins over that three-game stretch, I think is, uh, well, you can make the argument it's over Georgia. I don't know. That was my pause. I kept trying to twist it every which way, and I didn't understand why they put LSU in front of USC because I think USC has to get in if they do what they're supposed to do and win these next couple games, including the Pac-12 championship game. So curious what you guys think about that as well. I know, Clint, you gave some thoughts. Hack, what, what are yours? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's just the fact of the matter that if LSU does beat Georgia, they're the SEC champion, and the SEC champion has – never missed a college football playoff. So, so does that push Georgia out is my question. You know, and I, I and that's, again, there's historically speaking, there's been two SEC teams, right? So I don't think it pushes Georgia out. I, I, I think Georgia's body of work also warrants a, a spot just for what it is. And to your point, though, like a, like a USC team and Yogi, you made this point last uh, two weeks ago there or last week, they're, last four four game stretch here and they're halfway through it has been hellacious and if they can get through that um in a really deep pac-12 conference a conference championship a one loss team you know they they got to be in contention i just i just find it really hard that <clears throat> you know even for what it is, a two-loss Bama, a two-loss LSU is above a Clemson that has a chance to win the win the ACC again. We we've shared our thoughts about Clemson, but I mean, if, how much does a how much does a conference championship mean when you're talking about this stuff as well? I think that's kind of the the biggest uh, the biggest hurdle that you're speaking about. And and again, uh, it, you know, we're talking about one-loss teams and 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 teams that are going to be tight. Like the Big Ten has handcuffed themselves too, because I do believe that this Michigan team, top to bottom and Ohio state team are both top four or five football teams in the country. They've shown that. And if this one's a barn burner, I think you have a legitimate argument depending on what else happens. Right. I think there's still some craziness that needs to happen outside, um, outside of the, outside of the big 10 conference. But um, I think there's an argument that you can make that both of those teams could represent in, in the college football playoff. Right. The beauty of this is that there's some head to heads here in this top seven that we're going to get to see, and it's going to iron things out. And I think it's going to, clear the path for for fans and the committee when it comes down to selecting the best four teams 
uh, to represent um, college football in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, it, it's interesting, guys, because, I, I mean, look, I, I mean, I, I hate to play this whole speculation game, but Georgia is going to blow the doors off LSU. And and so I, I think <laughs> I, I think I think the question ultimately comes down. This is going to be so fascinating because you're going to have the loser of the Michigan Ohio State. And I'm not talking about I'm not worried about the record. I'm just talking about the team that's going to be in the bunch. You're going to have the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game, USC, Alabama, and Clemson. And you can say you can say USC will be bumped up because one of those teams is going to lose and then LSU will lose. So, but you're going to, that 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 fourth team in, I mean, we've t- we've taken all kind of shots at over the last month, but that fourth team in, they're going to have they're going to really have to look at some like they're going to look at Clemson's tape and say Clemson's their record, I don't know if they only have one loss, but Clemson just doesn't they're, they're not that squad. They're going to have to make a tough decision on a team that typically makes their job really easy. Right. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I think this Clemson team's just it, like, again, I, I could make the argument all day long that a one loss Michigan or a one loss Ohio state is much better than a conference champion, a, a, a ACC conference champion uh, Clemson team right now, like any day of the week, line them up at a neutral site. Um, both those teams, I think handle them fairly easily. So this was the thing that I was most intrigued by today, like the LSUSC thing, like whatever. To your to Clint's point, I think they're gonna uh, lose to the, in the Georgia game or get their doors blown off, as as you said, man. They're gonna um, get beat to sleep, yo. <laughs> and I have a total argument on, on that. Like clearly, the committee valued the wins over Bama and Ole Miss <laughs> more than the committee valued the wins at Oregon State at UCLA. Cool. That's that's what they decided because that's what they put on paper. My question was, and I, I want I want you might think I'm crazy, Hack. I want to go to you on this because you're mm-hmm. you know you're around the Big Ten. When I watched the game last week, and and I had a night game, so I sat in the hotel and I watched Ohio State, I watched Michigan, and the committee has committed it's consistently said for years, almost a decade now, that they go week by week, right, week by week. And when I watch Michigan's game, competitive, yeah. hard fought best player out like I get all that when I watched Ohio State like it was up and down it wasn't it didn't blow the doors off of Maryland when I watched those games then I went and watched SC UCLA back on Sunday and I said man like if I had to decide today among those three I get put in Ohio State too but SC looked better to me than Michigan did and I was really curious to see what the committee would do and then I thought well if it was an Alabama uniform with one loss would they have put them up ahead an undefeated team right and I and I and I I think they might have. Clearly, they weren't doing that here because they weren't even putting SC over LSU. And I, and I'm not SC. Yeah. I don't think SC is like dominant on defense. I get they have their issues, but I also think everybody ranked higher than them has their issues. So yeah. to to that question, like, do you think I'm crazy to have thought today? Man, I wonder if the committee would have actually looked at Saturday and said SC Michigan, SC. Yeah. No, I don't think you're crazy, but I think I disagree with looking at it like that at a week to week basis, because you can, to me in college football, there's too many variables. There's not, you're not going to have as much consistent performance and it is what it is. I think you have to look at the body of work when you're evaluating football teams. And at the end of the day, I think this Michigan team has some flaws, but when you look at their overall makeup and what they do on a consistent basis, they're probably the most physical football team on both sides of the football that we have in this conversation. Yeah, probably next to Georgia, like Georgia and Georgia and them are probably the two most physical football teams. Um, And that that carries to me. That's a trait in football that that translates. If you if you you get up and you can punch people in the mouth for four quarters, I don't care who you got, what you got. You're going to you're going to force people to decide if they got a set or not for four quarters. And that's, that's something that, that, that travels any type of, any type of game light scenario, anything like that. So, um, you know, yeah, Illinois came out and gave him a game. Illinois hasn't been a bad football team. Brett Bielham has done a good job. They got probably one of the most dynamic football players in chase Brown. And he just, you know, in the country and he, you know, he wore out there towards the end of the game. And um, you know, it was what it was, but I think when you look at the body of work, you know, to me, when you look at the body of work, I think this, this USC team definitely deserves a lot more credit than they're getting on the national stage. Right. I think that they have a ton of talent. I think that they're, uh, George says that they're playing with house money. I think they're kind of a year out with everything that they're doing in terms of like being back into the national stage and like really assuming the expectations of a national powerhouse. I think Lincoln's getting there and it's, it has the potential to turn that corner again, going back to the Pete Carroll days, which you're very familiar with. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's all 
nitpicking at this point. And like I said, fortunately for us, it's all going to work itself out. And I think that that's the nice, that's the beauty of this, especially with championship weekends. Like SC is going to have a chance to have to possibly beat someone twice in the Pac-12 championship game that they've already played. Like that's going to be a big tip. That's going to be a big, I think, scale swinging thing for them. So um, I'm all in to watch it. And, and, you know, I think everything as it sits right now, yeah, there's some snubs, but as it sits right now, I think the top competing teams in this, the top four or five teams, six teams, maybe are, are right where they should be. And, and we'll, we'll get to find out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's well said. All right, Clint, I got a, I got a question for you. And... Curious, what what do you think wins? Right, like it used to be like run the ball, play defense. But as you look at this thing and kind of piecing together, we we got our handful of teams that we think will get an invitation. What what wins today in college football? Well, I, I think we're living in a day and age where where that's a tough question to answer because you, I'd say quarterback play and explosive offense. But then you look at who. Uh, the, what Hack just just laid out, I, I think the one thing Michigan has is a good defense. I think the one thing Ohio State has is a good defense. Not good, great. I mean, these guys are – and to, to Hack's point, I think it's – I mean, we can get off into the numbers if you want, but I'm just talking about big, badass dudes that are fit, more physical than the guy across the board, the ball from them. I think Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State, they they have those those – those those guys on the defensive side of the ball, and so I, I think that really separates them from the rest of the pack. If if we're if we're being honest, but then you, on the other hand of it, you go okay, look at the explosive offenses uh, at USC and and kind of how we've seen Alabama win of late, and that even, way we see TCU. TCU, yeah, yeah, TCU. I mean, um, you know, so in one hand, I want to say you got to have this this badass quarterback that can put the team on his back, like Caleb Williams, like Bryce young type deal and and I want to say that and that's and I, I think that is a big part of what wins in today's college football but when it gets down to them top four squads you better be able to play physical ass defense and you may give up a lot of points you may give up the big ball some but you better be able to stop the run when it matters late in the ball game you better be able to bow your neck and, and I think those top three squads right now can really can really do that more so than anybody else and, and, and I'm talking about more so than like usually that's Alabama, usually yep. that's Clemson, usually that's LSU. Um, you know, it's it's not it's, it's a different cast of characters, if you will, um, in terms of teams that got to play a little bit differently. Within three big boys at the top can play defense. So if we're talking top four, what wins college football championship this year? I, I got to hang my hat on on being able to play physical ass football and play physical ass defense. Yeah, I want to hear Trevor your thoughts because I I think there's a world. I think it was Coach Saban who maybe said it last year, or the year before, of you know, offense offense wins. And I wonder, like, if you're comping teams, would you be more inclined, Trevor, to comp? Well, can you stop this offense? Right? Yeah. Can Can anybody higher that is ranked higher than USC really slow down Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, and Caleb Williams? Uh, maybe, maybe not. And then conversely, I don't know if SC can stop any of those teams offensively i'm curious where, where you net out on that you know i i think i'm i'm gonna go in a different direction than, than either offense or defense i'm gonna go the culture route um what's interesting about that is and, and i wanted to mention this earlier number four number five number six tcu lsu and and sc all have first year coaches at their respective schools that's right. incredible not only that 
but it's not like they inherited just, you know, an incredible squad, incredible culture. So whatever those guys have been able to do with, and I'll say this phrase, even though it may not be the best phrase to use, catch lightning in a bottle, get buy-in in year one from their, from their locker rooms, it is, is phenomenal, especially TCU. Sonny Dykes, offensive guy, um, playing gritty, hard-nosed defense that we saw against Texas, right? Um, getting those guys to put it together week in and week out. Brian Kelly coming down. We all were making fun of him at the beginning of the year for dancing in all these videos. And now he's got a team that, that's seriously bowing their neck and, and they're right there in the conversation. And then even though it is all offensive football, you've got a, an offense that Hack has said all year, and I love the phrase, they haven't gone in out of second year. And, and just the ability to go and go and go and put up incredible amounts of points. So I, I think it may be a combination thereof, or it may just be, hey, man, th these guys have a culture and, and they're riding that in, until it runs out. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, Lincoln Riley, I remember talking to him an early signing day last year, and he goes, we're about to turn this roster over. And I'm thinking, okay, eight, nine guys, something like that. I mean, 33 new players. <laughs> and when you talk to, like, whether it's Shane Lee or Caleb or any of those guys, they're like, we just blindly trusted. So to the point that you said, like, his first team meeting, he was like, look, you're not running Lincoln Riley's offense. This is USC's offense, and I'm going to ask you to blindly trust me and our staff and one another. And if they don't do that, uh, they're not where they are. And, and I go back to I, when Chris Peterson was at UW, and I think I might have told Clint this story before. The day he got the job, I went up to Seattle, and I sat down with him, and I said, how long does it take to instill a culture? And without flinching, he goes, 18 months. And, and I really believe that if it's all high school players and maybe a couple JC guys or transfers here and there. But in this era, to be able to get players to just buy in, whether it's Jane Daniels and company at LSU, everything that we referenced at, at SC, for Sonny to come in after a legend, right, who it wasn't like the cleanest of breakups, at least from the outside looking in with Gary Patterson. You're right, man. Like the coach of the year conversation is going to be freaking awesome. Uh, so to that yo, point, Hack, yo, oh, there's, there, there's nothing more like, there's nothing more powerful than when a coach call it catching lightning in a bottle or whatever, but 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 it's like when a coach can come in and have uh, the mentality of of I've heard some stuff about Brian Kelly about how he's changing he changed the complete mindset of that team, uh, you know that don't that that don't fly if you don't win, yeah right and so when these I didn't even think about it like that Trev that's a good point out like TCU LSU USC I mean you can even go down to Oregon. I mean, those are all first-year head coaches, all in the top ten. Washington, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, all in the top ten right now. First-year head coaches. I'm gonna tell you, man, when you come in there and you got that that momentum of just a freshness, a fresh voice, and and you can really, for the most part, never lose. Shoot, you can turn a program. I mean, obviously, if you never lose, you're gonna turn the program. I'm, I'm just talking about capturing that lightning in a bottle. I mean, if a coach can do that, man, it is unbelievably powerful. And and we've seen it with with these two, these three or four teams to the tune of a a top ten. I tell you, the other thing, yo, on the on the, you know, what wins. And I think this is this is the conversation and where the conversation ends up going to once we figure out who all is is in the final four, obviously. But the question to me is like, how good are some of these units? Like, how really how good is Michigan and Ohio State's defense? How good is TCU's offense? Right. Um, how good is Georgia's defense? We know they're good, but we're talking about college football championship playoffs. We're talking, I mean, really, how good are they when they have the big boys on the other side of the field from them? And then, like, how how does – like, Caleb Williams, I think if USC gets in this thing, I think they're going to have the legit most explosive offense if they're healthy. And at that point in time, is their defense good enough to offset – a Michigan team that doesn't really have their quarterbacks not giving them anything close, but has a great D. You know what I mean? Like it's a balancing scale for each one of these teams. And I, I think that's that's a big part of this. I, like Georgia dominating Michigan last year the way they did and, and the way we've seen some teams dominate in the past, I, I don't know that that's what we should look forward to this year. Yeah. So to that point, like let's, let's break that down because I am – you guys are all – I think we're all old souls to a degree – and mm -hmm. I'm a very strong believer that if you lose the last game that you play, you don't get to keep playing. Like, especially in college football, when there's four slots, five power five leagues, 
And I think anybody who knows anything about football would say the style in which each league plays is dramatically different. Pac-12 to the SEC to the Big Ten to the AC to the Big 12, like the style of play is not, you know, pay, cut and paste to every league. So with that said, we've got a big game coming up this weekend, right? Ohio State, Michigan. So for Hack, like, do you, do you agree with that thought of, if you lose your last game, I don't care if it rip if it's Georgia or if it's a loser of Michigan, Ohio State. To me, it's like, you didn't win. Like, you don't get to just regroup for a month and then go play again. Like, you didn't win your final one where stakes were there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with it, but unfortunately, the CFP set the precedent uh, with the SEC the past few years where even if you lose in that conference championship, you do get to, right? Um, For sure. And, and I think that there's probably a few factors in, that go into that, right? I think that you can make the argument that there's been a few other conference champions that had one or two losses, and when you look at it, a one-loss Alabama or a one-loss Georgia or um, – however it shook out at that point in time was their body of work probably better than than that other team yes 100 percent. but i think when you're looking at today's landscape and and the way that the game is right now and the depth of all these conferences i i think that that's a very valid point and i've said it this year i i i think this year the way that these teams have played even even a one loss tcu even a one loss sc I think it's going to be very, very hard. And I think the only way that two SEC teams are represented this year is if LSU goes in there and beats Georgia. Um, and I think that that's good for college football, right? I think it's good for for where it's at right now. And I think it's only going to make the argument of the expansion a, a bigger point and a bigger point of emphasis because I think you could also make the argument that a few of these teams, again, even going back to the Big Ten argument, I, I think Michigan and, and, and Ohio State, however this game shakes out this weekend, both of these teams would be great representatives of playing it out in terms of what could happen from that catching a lightning in a bottle from there's a, there's a whole bunch of other elements that go into it, but roll out the best 10, 12 teams and let them duke it out because that is going to ultimately answer all these questions that we're talking and no one's going to get snubbed. If you're past 12, like you don't belong in there. Um, right. But for the argument right now, yeah, I mean, I think that this year, you know, if you do lose in your conference championship up until this point, um, with the exception of like uh, uh, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 right now, um, I think it's really dependent on them as to whether or not, you know, the SEC, uh, the SEC or the Big Ten, um, not even the Big Ten conference champion, but, you know, for this game um, gets a chance to play. So it's unique how it's going to play out this year, but I think it's more inclusive this year than it has been. Okay. All right. Trevor, what do you think, man? If you let's, let's break down the, the, the game everybody's talking about, right? Michigan, Ohio state, very rarely do we get the situation that they're in right now. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think of the game? And regardless of type of game, call it a one point game, double overtime thriller, call it a 20 point blowout. Do you think it matters for the loser to still have a seat at the table, assuming TCU wins, assuming SC wins their championship as well. Assuming those things, they, they, there's just not enough seats at the table, in my opinion. Um, could, could things happen? And and of course, there, we you know we're here at the end. We're we're the last week of the regular season, and there's still so much that can happen to make this top four, top six, even top eight look drastically different. Um, the interest, an interesting scenario here would be, okay, let's say Ohio State beats Michigan for, for the sake of the scenario. And then so happens on the day of the Big Ten championship that Ohio State loses to whoever's the, the uh -oh. West representative. Right. I mean, that's Whoa. a scenario that <laughs> it, not going to happen, most likely. Um, yeah, but could, but could It'd be happen, freaking nuts. Right? So it's um it it's uh it's an interesting way to look at things. I think that they should treat this game this weekend as if it's their conference championship, because it, it is for, for the most part. The winner of this game can can walk into the conference championship with a lot of confidence knowing if they win they will be going to college football playoff the other i, I it's a, it's hard pressed to think that they'll have a seat at the table at this point okay so clint what do you think about this game man i think it's an elimination game mm -hmm. i mean we can talk we can talk it in circles all we want if, if one of those teams doesn't go to the championship game and they've got one loss um 
they, they shouldn't be in the, they, the rest of the body of work should not get them into the into the college football playoffs. Now we can sit here and play the if game. Well, if this team loses, if that team loses it and, and create a scenario where they do get in. But for me, y'all know, we know where I sit. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of on an Island by myself when it comes to the, I'm with you on that Island. I know where you're well, going. I mean, I, I just, I just don't, I don't see, you know, I think, I think Michigan is more, one of the more like obvious with the quarterback situation, young quarterback. Can he put the team on his back and, and, and win a monster game. And, and you know, so there's a, it's easy for folks to talk about Michigan in the quarterback situation because he's a young quarterback and he's the wild card. Ohio State, I, I mean, I'm just I, I'm I've watched games. I've watched more Ohio State football games this year than I than I ever have in my life because of my Twitter battles that I get into. And I'm just telling you that they are a top four football team. Assuming they don't lose, they should be in the college football playoffs. But they are far from the team that I watch on film and I go. It don't matter that their schedule is is this. It doesn't matter how they played against this team. It doesn't matter what they did here. Boy, the eye test, man. They and and the history of that Buckeye. Like I just can't go there with them. I I think this is. I think I, I think Georgia's the only team in America right now that that I I think I've I've watched them week in week out, and um, I'm just convinced that that what they put on tape is is the best team in America and should play in a college football playoff. Um, this is an elimination elimination game for me guys. Okay. So hack, what, what's gonna allow one team or the other? Where do you lean? Oh, as we yeah. So, so, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm going to disagree with Clint. Um, I think that this is Ohio state's year with the way that the college football playoffs laid out. I think for Ryan day, he's a, uh, and I, I also have some just some personal experience with this program and, and how they run things. And I think Ryan Day's done a good job of continuing that. I think that of any year, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's hard to make the statement I'm saying, but I think if, if Ohio State's going to win a national championship, it's going to be this year. Um, and there's a, there's, a, there's a few reasons I say that. I think that offensively, they're a top 20 rushing attack. They're actually averaging more yards per carry than Michigan is. Uh, defensively, they're a top 10 defense in total defense. Offensively, they're a top 10 offense in total offense. Georgia's 28 in, in, in total rushing offense, which is something that'll throw you off a little bit. I think that they can match up and present issues. Um, obviously, I think that some players are going to have to play better than they have up until this point throughout the year. But this Ohio State team has a propensity to peak at the right times, and I think that this game's coming at the perfect time for them because – they're bitter as shit. They got showed up. They got they got showed up by Michigan last year. I think they 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 had some gaps on the defensive side of the ball that they've clearly fixed this year. And if 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 Michigan can come or if Ohio State can come out here and beat Michigan by two scores, they're going to head into this thing with a lot of confidence and a confident Ohio State team. It's as talented a, a roster as anybody has in the country. And I have a lot of confidence in Ryan Day's ability to put this team in really good situations, especially with some extended time to prepare. Um, and I think that they're dangerous. They have some guys who haven't played much in Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I would assume that if they're making a national championship run, that he's going to try and get healthy and get on the field. That's another element that they, that you're going to have to prepare for. And similar to, to USC, uh, I think they're USC with a defense and a little bit more physicality on both sides of the ball. And I think that that's where the combination of physicality defense and that, air raid explosiveness kind of plays into it that maybe they may have even more than Georgia does, um, which is going to be really interesting. I still think that Georgia too, I agree with you, Clint. I think when you watch the tape, Georgia from a consistency standpoint has done it. This is more of me just knowing that program and knowing what's going on. This game is going to be really big for Ohio state. If Michigan wins it, I agree with you. I think it's going to throw a monkey wrench in the whole damn operation. Um, it's going to be a big letdown for, for them folks up at Columbus, but uh, I fully expect this Ohio State team to come out smoking. I think it's going to be a really tough environment for Michigan. Um, and if they win this the way that I think they can, uh, I think this Ohio State team can be really dangerous heading into playoffs. Well, look, well, look, heck, that, I mean, that changes the whole conversation, right? If Ohio State comes out and beats Michigan by two touchdowns or, or, or just boat races these boys, then then all of a sudden my, my opinion of, of Ohio State, right. I'm assuming that's going to be a hell of a football game 
uh, mm-hmm. offensively against a really good defense. It's, you know, that's one of them you got to you got to realize you got to open your eyes to. All of a sudden, their strength of schedule and the way they dominated their most most impressive opponent goes through the roof. I mean, so that 100%. that that changes the dynamic. And, and back to the the question of being an elimination game at that point in time, if Ohio yeah. State does that, then Michigan's asked out. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I think that the argument for two Big Ten teams is is really tough to make because of the way that that the Big Ten conference is structured with the East and West and the way that they've they've kind of loaded the East. It's really tough, and they've kind of handcuffed themselves. Um, but um, there's for that. I, I think there's a there's an argument for that, but I completely agree with you. It's it's in that fantasy of if if ands and buts and and all that other bullshit that no one really cares about, right? Um, I think that there's there's a chance that that happens, kind of like what Trevor was saying. There's a chance that Iowa, if they beat Nebraska and represents the West in the Big Ten championship, comes out and beats either of these motherfuckers, which ain't gonna happen. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I I think there's a shot, but I, I I tend to agree with you. I think that this is gonna be defining for both these programs moving forward. And I think from from a college football playoff standpoint, it is an elimination game. Oh, there's a chance, guys. I mean, there, there's definitely a damn chance. every every college football show that I've watched. It seems it seems like everybody they're starting to come around on TCU a little bit, but yeah. it seems like everybody minimizes what TCU is doing, and everybody wants to make sure before hey, before we go to break. Now, with that loser that Big Ten game, that, I mean, how, how come they're not going to be in the conversation? It, it's one yeah. of those. So, it, it, you're a hey, hey, hack. You're spot. I think it's going to be a conversation whether whether we like it or not. I think it's going to be a, it's that 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 M that Michigan M is going to be in the conversation. Yeah, I, I think or, you made a. I think you made an interesting point, Hack, on the structure of the Big Ten and how it's um, it's detrimental to Michigan and Ohio State because if you look at the SEC up until this year, we in the college football playoff era, we've never had a conversation about anybody coming out of the East except Georgia. This right. is the first year where we're like, if. It, whoever beats, you know, whoever wins in the Georgia-Tennessee game, if the if both teams win out from there on, now we'll have the discussion of SEC top teams phase themselves out, and so you see a team coming up on the West, which is traditionally the more competitive side in Alabama now LSU, right? So it, you're right because there's Georgia sitting alone on one side. And, and the, what, what the West is in the SEC with, with Bama and LSU, you've never had that narrative, whereas every single year, Michigan-Ohio State, that game is the conference championship. Yeah. Yep. Hey, I got some for you boys. Y'all hear this? Did y'all hear that? No, I didn't. No. I didn't hear it, but I oh, it. man. But it, is, it. but it is good. It's a good sound. I, <laughs> I imagined it. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, so we can imagine every league eliminating divisions because I'll tell you what, I was skeptical at first when it happened out west in the pack, but it's so much better having one v two in the title game. Like it just made the conversation awesome. So to the Pac twelve fans watching, just so you know, SC's in uh, for Oregon to win or Oregon to get to Las Vegas to play SC, they have to beat Oregon State or have Washington lose to Washington State. Washington and Michael Penix Jr. is alive. They need to win the Apple Cup. They need Oregon State to beat Oregon. They need Utah to lose to Colorado or Cal to win over UCLA, which is on Friday. And then for Utah, which is path isn't that crazy after their loss last weekend, they got to win their game against the Buffs. Oregon lose to Oregon State. Utah beat Washington State on the road. And UCLA beat Cal. So I just say it of like, we have six teams from the Pac-12 ranked right now, and I think Washington State was probably the next one out. Close to having seven teams ranked. Seven were ranked in the AP poll for what, what that is worth. And the whole country is talking about the Pac-12 to, to a large degree, dramatically larger than it was a year ago. Part of that, of course, is the teams that we're talking about, the players, but also I think the elimination of divisions 
it it totally changed the game and has made it way i think more enjoyable more conversational so sounds like the big 10 will be doing that the sec is exploring that uh so with that said uh let's let's talk about sc notre dame i i think this is a pretty fun game uh on a bunch of levels uh trevor i want to hit you up on this one to start the conversation off curious what do you think about notre dame we all saw him against ohio state in that first game and then we saw him fall off and then slowly but slowly but slowly and ever so slowly kind of come back to life. And here they sit for uh, 15 in today's polls coming out to L.A. on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I, I think at one point in time many weeks ago, we, we kind of put Notre Dame and LSU in the same bucket. Hey, big, big logos, new head coaches that we think are going to be successful long term. Um, but but let's let's give them let's give them a couple of years to get their feet wet. And although it's not been as drastic and as a hockey stick curve as LSU and Brian Kelly, um, and they do have one more blemish on their schedule, it's been extremely impressive to to watch those guys from afar say, "Hey, look, let's pick ourselves up, let's dust ourselves off, and let's take this one week at a time." And to your point, you kind of blink your eyes, and there they are at number 15. Um, with, in my opinion, with every bit of a, of a chance to go and knock off USC this weekend and ruin a, a Cinderella season for the Trojans, um, I think it's an interesting matchup. You know, we mentioned USC and, and the, uh, the firepower that they have on offense. Uh, I'm curious all of your thoughts on – um, wh- where you see the biggest matchup in this game um, and, and how can, can, can Notre Dame slow down that USC offense and make a case for winning this football game? I, I don't know, but it's, uh, it's an interesting matchup to me. I, I personally think the way they do it is with their offense, the way they did it with Clemson. If they can, if they can run the football for 200-plus yards in this game and limit Caleb Williams and that offense's chances, I think that's how they do it. I don't think they necessarily neutralize it with their defense. I think they neutralize it with some efficiency and some possession ball from the offensive side of the ball. If they can do that, I think they got a shot. Yeah, the biggest thing, I think, in this game is where SC has thrived defensively in the, the vaunted middle eight. Right? Last four minutes of the second, first four of the third. Their last couple of games, they've rolled there. Created a turnover, get a score, get the ball after half because they defer, quickly Double score, up. and then it's a route. Like, that is the thing. And Drew Pine's going to have to complete at least three legit balls. Like, legit. But I think they'll be able to run the ball. They'll, you know, take a couple possessions away like everybody tries to. But at the end of the day, like, they're going to have to move it a few times in this game. And if he can complete those balls, they'll have a chance to win one on the road. But if not, I just think SC just keeps scoring and scoring, and they just they just come at you in waves. Like that's what their offense is, and Caleb clearly is as resilient of a guy as there is in the country. As they they kicked off his Heisman campaign this week, um, so let, let's make sure we get to Auburn, Alabama. Uh, this game on a bunch of fronts, right? We, we've seen teams fire coaches. They're one of many this season. That it's already happened. Cadillac Williams is there. What an emotional moment over the weekend. And you've got this rivalry. You've got these coaching rumors. Clint, what what say you about the game and then everything kind of surrounding the game? Yeah, well, I, I think you talk about the coaching rumors. I, I think that is a real thing in a lot of places, but I don't think it is at Auburn right now. I don't, I don't I, A distraction is what I'm saying. Like, I think this team is really rallying around Cadillac Williams. Like, I, like that, I think he's really – I don't know that he's even a long-term option there. In fact, I know he's not because they're they're going to go they're going to go pay somebody ten plus million dollars a year to be the head coach. But but th- I don't think that this squad is worried about who's next. I don't think they're worried about um, you know if it's Lane Kiffin and all the smoke around who you know all that Deion Sanders and all that kind of crap. I, I really don't. I think it's real in some situations, not this one. Um, but I mean, you you got an Alabama squad that that. Coming out in these rankings at number seven right now, it's going to take all hell to break loose above them. But I mean, they're 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 still enough of the there's still enough bait there to make them think that they they have something to play for over the over this week. And I think you get a, a real Bama football team coming out there. So uh, I don't think Auburn. I've watched them consistently over the last several weeks. They they don't have 
know, quarterback's a good athlete, but he is clueless when it comes to to throwing the ball around the park consistently. I don't it's clueless. That's probably a little bit harsh. Sorry, Yoga. I forgot who I was here with. That's a little bit harsh, brother. <laughs> he, clueless, clueless may not be the, the fair way to put it. Just young, inexperienced. He's lost at times. Um, you know, and and it's I think it's gonna be hard for that guy, that offense to stay on the field with with uh Alabama, if I'm being honest. I got you. Yeah, I think if it was at home, I'd give him more of a chance. Uh, you know, Auburn trying to get to a bowl game. It'll be interesting. I think it'll be a fun early start to that game. We love that rivalry. I tell you, I tell you what, Yogi, it, it would be it would be a real I mean, if if Cadillac Williams could get these boys, take this thing over and and get these boys bowl eligible, it would be one hell of a story. Now, you know, obviously it wouldn't amount to a hill of beans. But at the end of the day, it would be one hell of a story, feel-good story, former player, his alma mater, back against the wall. I mean, just dysfunction throughout that organization. And if he were able to do that and do it beating Alabama, what a story, boy. Okay, so let's talk coaching rumors real fast here. Because I think it's there's a lot of dynamics to it, right? Like we saw, of course, all over social media last night and today with, with everything with, with Lane Kiffin and that rumor. But I think there's something like the, the interim guys, like the Cadillac Williams of the world. Like he may not, you know, he's not going to get the Auburn job to your point, but like, does he pick up one of these other jobs that are open up even smaller? Like, I think it's a cool opportunity for guys like that to showcase like the leadership traits. Obviously I think guys like that should stay on the staff. Dante Williams is a great example of SC last year. Lincoln Riley kept him on after being the interim guy for what was it nine games or whatever it was throughout the season but we look at the jobs that are open referenced auburn wisconsin nebraska arizona state colorado georgia tech let alone some other non-power five jobs uh, hack for you like what do you think any of those are leaning do you think that we'll have decisions on those in your neck yeah. of the woods before thanksgiving obviously the start of next week is huge and the start the week after that is even bigger as portal palooza kicks off i think december 5th Pulled yeah, I think that's nice. Yeah. You like that? That's yeah. nice. Yeah, okay. that's good. I, I think Wisconsin, I think they're going to stick with Leonard. I think I think he's he fits their mold. Obviously, him playing there. Wisconsin's been really conservative. And even the move to 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 move on from Chris, uh, the way they did and how quickly they 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 put um they put uh, Leonard in there was was uncharacteristic of Wisconsin. Um so I think that that kind of tipped their hat. And they're they're a program that that really gels on that physical kind of Wisconsin Midwest type of mentality. So I think he's a good fit. You know, I, the, the Nebraska one's the interesting one to me because I think you know it, earlier years, early two thousands, that job had a lot of luster, but I think it's it's lost a lot of its shine. Uh, I thought that the Scott Frost dig and hire was a was a big one, um, and, and the way that that fell on its face and how it unraveled I think was not good for Nebraska and they're going to have to shovel out a lot of money to get a football coach in there who's going to be uh to their standards of what they want because it's a program that still has a ton of pride and still lives in the in the early 2000s late 90s early 2000s kind of realm and they just really haven't quite been there um since then so uh it's it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting, at least in my neck of the woods to see how that plays out. Um, you know, like I said, I think Wisconsin's kind of, kind of done. Um, but the Nebraska one is one that I'm going to circle because they're going to have to, they're going to have to cough up some dough if they want to get a ball coach in there. If not, um, you know, I think they're going to have to go and try and get one of those slam dunk young guy hires who's, who's looking to climb maybe from one of those mid-major programs who's had some success um and and trying to establish themselves in the power five. Hey, hey, heck, I'm going to tell y'all, man, I'm going to tell you, and this pains me. Cause this son buck ripped my heart out of my chest. That damn Bobby Petrino, if he don't get a head job at one of these one of these big time power five programs, mm -hmm. people are crazy. If like if Nebraska's not looking at Bobby Petrino right now, and well, that's he, a great he candidate Arkansas, for them too, though. Bro, he right? took Arkansas to the first BCS uh, game they, that that we've ever been to. I mean, yeah. he had he he was doing it in Ark like it's very similar to Nebraska relative to like. How many, right. how many, how you have to recruit and how you have to have to 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 do it differently. I mean, I mean, that dude, I'm telling you, man, I I I wanna I wanna yeah. I wanna meet him in a dark alley and, and whoop his ass if I'm being honest with you. But but I he is a he is a football coach that, that does more with less from jump. One of these squads that has a a dynamic like you're talking about where they're 
you know, you're kind of lost. You're, you're, you're in a state that doesn't produce a whole hell of a lot of division one guys. You know, you've got, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. That sucker's a football coach and Johnny. That's a, dude, that's a, that's a really good point. And that's, that's where Nebraska, I think, needs to go. If they're going to try and get someone, they need to get someone who's, who's itching to get back to where they were and haven't had an opportunity yet. You're going to have to, you're going to have to take a chance or, or like I said, you're gonna have to go with someone who's unproven, but that's, that's Yogi, you're shaking your head. Yogi, you don't, you don't like that thought. What's, what's the, what's the deal? I think there's a lot of coaches out there that don't get shots to be head coaches. When you comp it to the amount of coaches that just get continuous shots. And I just think there's a, there's enough hungry. And when the ADs that I talked to were like, we need people, and and I'm not putting an age gap on this. Like I don't believe in that, but the the phrase I I will use may may uh, make you think I I mean that, but I don't. They want youthful energy, who have the energy to really attack this portal and NIL, and it's a different job than it was two years ago. And I, and I don't know him at all, and I'm not saying he does or does not have the energy around it, but I think there's a lot of really talented coaches that have been coordinators for a while have had a bunch of interviews at different places that I think might thrive in this environment because it's totally different than what it was. I mean, I referenced and joked with portal Palooza December 5th, the portal opens and most teams I've talked to are like 20 to 30 players are going to leave or at least dip their toes into it. Like I think the, the management of it is, is insane. Uh, insanely dramatic is probably the, the, the appropriate answer. So that's where I kind of net out on that. And then I go back to like agency hundred percent. And then I go back to like the year one thing, like our, like what is the, the, the society in football? What are we judging coaches on now? Right? Like Lincoln Riley, Dan Lanning, uh, you look at Notre Dame, like you look at the list that you referenced earlier, Clint, all these first year guys thriving. Kalen DeBoer just signed a big extension today through 2028. And then you can go to other places, first year coaches at big places, whether it's Miami or other places <clears> where, guys, where guys aren't having success. I kind of wonder, what ad's think and they're like hey we need to go we should be sc let, right now let me or, let me let me, throw, let me throw this in there too trev sorry to cut you off but that's an interesting point because i think the portal is as much of an advantage as the portal is for for ad's and, and people that they want to get in there it can also be a big disadvantage and i think one guy to look at is mel tucker up at michigan state he had the year he had last year nope. lost some guys to the draft lost some guys to the portal didn't have as much success in the portal and now you see what that team is right now a very inconsistent football team so the level of consistency the portal's a double-edged sword there and you have to have the right guy who can use it to their advantage and then also establish a culture and then recruit and also augment that where they have gaps in the recruiting with the portal moving forward. Yeah. Like it's hard. Interesting point. I want to get you guys on these rivalry games before we get out. But I think the last point on the coaching thing is that like, you look at Kansas and they hired somebody who had a lot of success, but maybe not on a grand stage. I look at Washington, same thing, Kalen DeBoer, he coached at Sioux Falls University as a head coach for a lot of his career before he got up to the power five level the last handful of years. And then you've got guys that are like rocket ships, like Kenny Dillingham, you know, reportedly interviewed at Arizona State. We'll see if he gets this job as an extremely young offensive coordinator. We've seen kind of both of them. I think my gut tells me that a lot of athletic directors are leaning towards like younger. That's just kind of where my, my gut lands. So I'd be curious if, you know, you bring back like a Bobby Petrino to your point. Um, or do you say, no, like this coordinator, this young coach, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting, but I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought, I haven't heard Jeez. Bobby Petrino's name other than from you, Clint. And I'm curious what people in the know as ADs think about him. And I think, I think every, him. I think they're all, every, every position's unique though. Everybody's got to deal with the things you guys are talking about, the portals, the transfer, this, that everybody's young, old, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, these, these older guys that we just mentioned, they're in the top 10 right now. They're in their first year of a deal. I mean, they're, they're handling it okay, I guess. Um, I, I just think when you look at – like Mario Cristobal is a perfect fit in Miami because he played there. Like there's unique yep. there's unique characteristics that each one of these guys bring. And I just think Bobby Petrino, two things. I think he's done it at a, at a comparable university where the state doesn't produce that level D1s where you got to go out and bring in – you got to create a product on the field – that's different than Wisconsin, that's different than all these other schools, and, and give guys a reason to come there. Bob Petrino can lay a lay a, a roster full of quarterbacks and, and, and receivers and running backs, for that matter, offensively, and go get guys just off of his history. And so I, I just think there's – sometimes there's a unique aspect to a, a fit for a guy, and I, I think that's 
Bobby would be a guy again. I I want to punch him square in the mouth in a dark alley sometime. But I I uh, I think he's a hell of a football coach. Let me make one comment here real quick, as I know we're going to move on. But I, when you talk about this hiring process and the perfect fit and everything else, I think that is absolutely insane how secretive and how quickly that we are going out and hiring coaches into these positions. And it's it's it is what it is, and it's always been that way. But if you look at any other industry in our entire world, if you're going out and paying a guy as much as we're paying these coaches and you're going out and finding a guy to run a business, you're taking months, possibly even years, deep dive interviews, figuring out if they're a good culture fit, figuring out if they're going to mesh with your employees, so on and so forth. And in college football, it's a, hey, let's look at his resume. Let's look where he may, may fit in. He played here. He didn't play here. He's developed these type of guys. He hasn't. Hey, hey we're gonna pay. We're gonna pay ten million a year. Come, come make it happen. And then it's these ads just praying. I think it's an insane hiring process, but it's yeah. it's it's the way that it has to be. Yeah, we should talk about that next time. What's crazier than that, though, I think is like hiring of coordinators, because that's even faster. It's got to happen with uh, the the sped up calendar that we have. All right, before we leave, we got three minutes left. I want each of you to pick a rivalry game you're most anticipating that we hadn't talked about. So we got a bunch of fun ones this weekend. Um, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arizona, Arizona State, NC State, UNC, Florida, Florida State. You guys know the games. Uh, Clint, we'll start with you. Which one are you most jacked about? Yeah, I'll jump I'll jump to uh, – it's hard for me to pick. I like TCU, Iowa State, just because I'm, I'm a TCU fan today. But I'm going to go with the South Carolina-Clemson game, man. I, I I think Spencer Rattler is obviously a gifted dude. He kind of he kind of came out of his shell last week. Had a monster game against Tennessee. I think that whole program is just. I mean, they're 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 kind of quietly trending upward at a pretty good clip. And, and I I think this is a team that could give Clemson some problems in a big rivalry game. I really do. Um, you know, you hope the all the fun that happened, all the hype that went into that Tennessee win doesn't bleed over to Clemson and they're dead, but. Um, that South Carolina Clemson game, I think, has a chance to be a much better game than a a non ranked South Carolina versus an eight Clemson. I, I think it's be a better football game than that. So I'll, I'll go with I'll go with that ball game there. What's what's that one called? Do you know Rio? Isn't that, isn't that name? I do not. But huh. we'll figure it out before the end of the show. All right, okay. Let's keep it moving, Trevor. What do you got? Yeah, I'm gonna go with <laughs> this is not an appetizing game, but I'm gonna go with this one because I'll be in attendance at the LSU-Texas A&M game this Saturday. Um, no other storylines other than A&M's got an opportunity to really spoil uh, something for LSU. It's it's at Kyle Field. Should be a great atmosphere you know, following Thanksgiving as it typically is. Um, I, I don't see any way that A&M goes into this one and, and is, is successful based on the way that they've played this season. Uh, but But – don't don't let Kyle Field slip past you. It's a it's a great place to play, and LSU needs to come and put their hard hat on and carry their lunch pail so they can get it done on Saturday. Wow, can you imagine that one? All right, it's the Paul Meadow Bowl, by the way. All right, Hack for you. What do you got? Uh, I'm tell I'm going home. I'm going to Penn State, Michigan State. Michigan State's been giving them some problems. The Land Grant Trophy. Um, Michigan State's currently holding it, so I, I I'm expecting the Nittany Lions to not let that one leave uh leave State College this weekend. But um, I'll be I'll be I'll be definitely tuning in because I think it puts Penn State in a unique spot here heading into into bowl season. I think they got a chance to propel themselves into a into a New Year Six bowl if they if they get things done. If your yeah. Nittany Lions let this one slip this late in the season, ranked where they're at right now, Hackenberg, damn it, you're buying the beer when you come to Houston. <laughs> Yeah, I fucking ain't right. I am. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm the most looking forward to watching Oregon, Oregon State, two ranked teams. Oregon State Stadium is half under construction. It seats about thirty thousand. It's bonkers. I've called a few games this year. It's it's louder than than you could even imagine with a stadium like that. They're going to be crazed. It's about forty minutes apart, both schools, and there is a ton at stake. Jonathan Smith trying to get to ten wins, and of course. Dan Lanning trying to get to his first. Yo, what is – you You really like Oregon State. I've learned this about you when I'm – I've mean, liked them all year. Oregon State really turns you on, man. What, what What's going on here? He's a big beef guy. Yeah. Big well, beef. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Well, Jonathan Smith, well played. Well played. When, when Jonathan Smith took that program over, his point differential was like 270 negative. 
year one. And now like they're plus 120, I think on the season or so. And when you watch them, you will not see a first round pick, but you will not see a weakness. They have one of the most respected offensive line coaches in the game. They're always going to run the ball. They always have defensively. I think it's a top one, two, or three defense in the pack this year. Trent Bray will be a name that you'll start to hear about in coaching circles. He'll be a head coach in a matter of years. He's the next, you know, up and coming defensive mind. Uh, his dad was a big time D coordinator in college football back when we were playing. And they got two, two to three NFL players just in the secondary. So they don't have anybody that's like first rounder, but they don't make any mistakes. Now they play two quarterbacks this year, but they still win by running the ball. They play opportunistic defense. They wrote the blueprint to how to slow down Caleb Williams. Um, and, and I called a bunch of their games this year. They lost to SC and Utah back-to-back. Eight combined interceptions in those two games. And the SC game, they probably they could have won, as we all know, if Caleb doesn't make a perfect throw at the end. And if you just watch them all year, you're like, damn, these guys are impressive. They lost on the last drive of the game against UW and Michael Penix on a 96-yard drive to end the game. Uh, last 30 seconds of the game or so. But other than that, they're always hanging. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if they got that win. Um, but yeah, I'm a huge Jonathan Smith guy. He signed a big extension last year. If not, I think his name would be circulating for all these jobs. Huge so. Beaver guy. That's what I picked up right there, yo. Huge all right. Beaver guy. Happy Thanksgiving, fellas. Appreciate your candor, your insight, at times your humor, but most importantly, the fellowship, fellas. Thankful for you. That's it for us. Check us out on SiriusXM, YouTube, whatever it is that you may need to find us on. We are there. It is the Field of 12. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.